This show is part of the Pika Science Podcast, studying the intersection of video games and science. When I was younger, I wanted to know, where did that come from? How did it get there? The only way to find out is through the wormhole. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Through the Ultrahome Wormhole. I'm your host, Jared. Joined as always. I'm Madison. Hey, look at that. I'm here. I am sick and feel like I'm dying, but I am here. <laughs> <laughs> I have been doing DayQuil all day like it is a shot. Um, I feel stuffed up like crazy. And Haley's cough is so bad that at dance class, I could tell which kid is her from the other room just goes. <clears throat> <laughs> oh god poor baby Ooh. yeah lila brought it and decided to share it with everyone and she has shared it at both of her homes as an and has infected everyone well, well hopefully we'll have this not all for too long so you can get back to resting we had 16 people here we had the whole flaming dice uh group here for thanksgiving uh plus a few others and uh uh it may have gotten spread on thanksgiving <laughs> I was I say I was at work on Thanksgiving, but it was a slow day for us, so we were good. But we of course but we of course are looking at a deeper dive into non local and non native species in Pokemon. And mostly Hawaii. Mostly Hawaii. And mostly and that's what I was gonna talk about is just like last week we did differ a little bit for foxes with talking more about Australia and of course with Gower and Fival and Nicket and all of them. But we are back in Hawaii, in Alola. Alola, we've already talked about rats. We've talked about jellyfish. We've talked about mosquitoes. We've talked about cockroaches. We've talked about... We haven't talked about Meowth, who is a huge, like, you know, that's a thing. Yeah, Meowth is going to be uh, its own episode, I think, because it's just a big... There's a big conversation a lot in the conservation community, especially with about our feline friends. Well, and Don, Don used to talk a lot about, you know, cats being a huge uh, ecological threat. Yep. I know, I'm sure you've heard the story when we've all done stuff online before, and all the stories he likes to share about yep. <laughs> about about cats, you know, taking out entire bird populations. Yep. And I figured they'd get their own kind of special episode, probably by the sounds of it in my own head, I'm going to do it next episode, because they are a big environmental there's a big environmental conflict with cats and local uh native ecosystems and that is why bob barker reminds us all to spay and neuter our pets yes (laughs) and that's why uh leash laws are becoming more prevalent for cats yeah we have that in some of our townships nearby so we've already talked about a bunch of different species rats mongooses mosquitoes cockroaches and jellyfish talking a lot about of course the ultra beasts that are based on real life examples of of non-native species However, even cartana are, i didn't talk about cartana i didn't talk about Stackataka. <gasps> celesteela as a brief mention because it is te- like if you look it is has that bamboo basis hawaii bamboo is very prevalent but it's not a really an issue there however on parts of the main united the mainland united states i know around here uh bamboo is not tolerated especially when i was in school in virginia we got rid of bamboo all the time so there's you that guys invasiveness cook it? there. Cook it? Well, not the way that you would think you should be cooking it. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. More the uh, lighting it all on a giant fire <laughs> to burn it all. 
I understood. I understood that what you meant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just hope that you're gonna say you actually got to like eat it. I have eaten bamboo before, and I it's, too. I yeah, do bamboo's like it. great. I cook with it all the time. But there are still many more non-native species that are found all over Hawaii. Most of them not based on Pokemon. However, they still do cause a lot of conflict in the ecosystem. And with, you know, Alola, that's why we're going to talk about it. So why is there a lot of conflicts with non-native species in Hawaii? So the biggest issue is, you know, this Wait, one, I what know is this it? one, white people. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Colonizers. I mean, historic historically with hawaii like all of the problems came with yep. colonization so you say you're <laughs> humanocentric wise you're not wrong <laughs> i'm gonna go ecosystem first and then we can talk about the humanocentric side so ecologically <laughs> okay, okay. is this idea of endemic species and then of course island ecology so endemic species if you don't know what those are madison do you know what they are uh species that are native right yeah they are found in only one geographical uh region so it could be anywhere from like that would be things like uh that would be like uh darwin's uh darwin's yes right things like just like your native fauna that are only fauna and flora that are only found on like certain islands i think like you could talk about like the fusa the fossa from uh Madagascar. Oh, fossas. Madagascar. Madagascar is yeah, big. But still, like, uh, one geographical region. It could be a small island. It could be endemic species. could be endemic to just that could that continent. So it could be, like, uh, dingoes. Dingoes are endemic to, like, Australia. But more... And to my heart. do love dingoes. Um, dingoes. Hey, you know what? I've adopted two dingo dogs, and I love them. They're both Australian cattle dogs. Both okay. dogs. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, they're both dingoes. I mean, because those came, came no. from dingoes. That's so cool. So they look like dingoes. They got those big pointy ears. They got the dingo coloration. Uh, Lilac refused to ever be in the cold or snow. And Cassandra loves to sunbathe like it's her job. We have a Pitsky that would love to roll, that loves to roll around in the snow and do all that stuff. And we're all bundled up going, please let us inside. <laughs> Part pit, Paul Bar Husky. I wish they liked snow. But, yeah. So the thing with, like, islands, of course, especially with your endemic, your native species that are there, you have an ecosystem that's never really had, especially in Hawaii, that has never had a large mammalian predator or has never had, like, just those large mammal species such that you get from, like, deer that have invaded into, uh, have gone into new areas or, like, we're going to talk about them in a little bit, the lovely feral pigs, your lovely feral hogs. You also have, so yeah, so kind of that they don't have an actual predator in your island ecosystem. With your native species, if you have an aggressive predator especially, they tend to outcompete a lot of your native species. We've already kind of talked about that with the rats especially, and your mongooses, and just your predators like that that can outcompete. So when you have endemic species that are only found in one area of the entire world, uh, non-native species are a large conflict because of you're trying to protect those species that are only found in your area, and now you have something that could be threatening um, them, and that's why they're really important. And I think the same thing is true for ecosystems. If you've never come across that type of predator or that type of you know plant, you don't know how to react because while an ecosystem is not a living thing, I am a huge proponent of systems theory, and I you know looking at that from the social science standpoint of systems theory, it is a living 
thing. Like an ecosystem is a reactory complex system that acts as a living organism in itself. And if it doesn't have the tools to handle that change, I mean, it's Darwinism at that point. And with islands, that's the issue is that they've been self-contained for so long. They don't know. I mean, that's why you get all the weird marsupials. You get a lot of different. That's Tasmanian tiger. I love them. <laughs> Everyone go look them up now and then get in the comments at us. I love that. Hey. Get in the comments, Tasmanian tiger. I love One of my favorite video games of all time is Ty, Ty the Tasmanian Tiger. So I have a special place in my heart for them. But <laughs> on a larger scale where you have a, like the mainland United States, which is a massive area, being introduced there or yeah. onto, but you're on such a small scale in the islands, you don't have that. One, there isn't the room for like a large predator. Now you have them. You have birds that have, your tree, not your tree drawing, your ground drawing birds. Now there's something that's actually on the ground that can eat that they've never had this before. Um, plants yep. that have never dealt with that much competitiveness that you now have with some of the, like the Australian fern, you have, there's a vine that I'm going to talk about that, that reminds us of kudzu. Um, those think they've never had this type of interaction before between these non-native species, and now they do, and they don't know really how to can't really adapt to it well and i know we talked about this you me ceci and ray back way back mm -hmm. when the work that went into planning uh was it gen 7 mm -hmm. and like there was a lot of research done on you know these non-native species and how they impact ecosystems and specifically with hawaii that they, you know they had a research team out there learning about this and they you know purposely programmed these things into the game and into the pokédex entries on purpose which kudos to Game Freak for that, because that was, yeah, seeing that they actually talk about it in, like, for Alolan Ratatata, and they talk about it with Young Goose and Gumshoes. They have those talks about them in the in in there, and then, of course, the entire idea of the Ultra Beasts straight up being, they're based on non-native species. Just, that's what helps with, with um, whole, the whole idea of Alola, is actually to give kind of notice to all of that. So, we do have some interesting examples, but... I did find something that was kind of interesting looking at. I was on Hawaii's it's like invasive uh, invasive center. They're like the Department of like Game and Fisheries, and they have this part called injurious wildlife, which is any species or subspecies of animal, except for game birds, game mammals, which are known to be harmful to agriculture, aquaculture, indigenous of wildlife of plants, or constitute a nuisance or health hazard. So they have these whole this giant list of all of them there. And like going through that whole list was interesting because there was a lot that I wouldn't have thought about or I'd never heard of before. Honestly, a lot of them also kind of make a good bit of sense. We have them around here. You have them where you live. They're all over the United States. Good old feral hogs. You don't know where I live. That's not yeah. true, you do, but... <laughs> well, they're all over the United States. So good old feral pigs, feral boars, which they were originally brought... Domestically, actually, to Hawaii by Polynesians, the Pua, Pua, sorry if I just butchered that, Pua, Pua. they were brought for, yeah, yeah like they, Moana, say they were brought as an actual food source. However, in the 1700s, a man by the name of Captain Cook went to Hawaii and decided to introduce, much like the happened in Australia, introduce European boars, well, they of course did foxes in Australia, 
but European boars um, for hunting and for food as well. However, they were out of their containment, so when they can roam the islands, they thrive because there's nothing in Hawaii that is big enough to take on a boar. So with that, they have Hawaiian native species are not used to large mammalian species. So now you have a boar that can go around uprooting your native plant, causing burrows to be made for um, mosquitoes, which are used for their breeding. They can spread invasive plant species. They cause, um, and of course, humanocentrically, they can cause a lot of agricultural issues by uprooting plants and going through fields or with the spread of uh, non-native plant species, which we'll talk about some of them in a little bit. You also have, I had never heard of this before, Jackson chameleons. Yeah, uh, I know this. Um, actually, I do know about this because of, shout out to Matt, head of herpetology over at Toledo Zoo. Uh, for all the backstage tours he's got arranged for us, <laughs> They uh, Toledo Zoo actually does a lot of uh, confiscated animals that are trafficked. They end up getting a lot of the reptiles, actually. Um, they work with the government like specifically, that's something that they like to do. They have a really great uh, herpetology department there, and they have a ton of Jackson's chameleons. And they were telling us about it last time we were there last summer about you know most of them that they end up getting have been trafficked illegally as pet trade. We've gotten to hold them though, like the girls. I have pictures of all of us holding them. They're they're really cute. Yes, they are really cute, which is why they're of course very attractive for the pet trade. But yes, they are illegally through the pet train pet trade and then they escape or they are let layer let out because people that have them do not know how to uh, take care of them i.e the burmese python in florida so they get released and they create these feral populations and they are prolific insectivores so they can eat large amounts of the native insect population which of course means less food for native species that are always already there cause issues for pollination and then actually what I was reading about that was interesting from the government, they're talking about um, if brown tree snakes would ever make their way to Hawaii from Guam, which they've had, they said they've had eight before, that they've all been killed. If they actually ever made it to Hawaii, having the Jackson chameleons around is an issue because now the tree snakes have a really good food source to go off of from these populations, which means they could get a have a stronger stronghold on the island and then cause a lot of other conflicts there and if you don't know about brown tree snakes they're in guam they cause a lot of issues to native bird populations there and have caused extinctions already of many different uh species there and are a large uh have been a very large issue um in guam for a long time and actually it's the government of hawaii has a whole program set up to make sure that when they get packages in from Guam that they there aren't any of the brown tree snakes because they don't want them being on the island which makes a lot of sense we're doing that right now in continental u.s with uh lantern flies i don't care for the lantern flies they're all over the place in pa and it's not fun but you kill a lot of them unfortunately well not unfortunately you have to but also speaking of other insectivores another one that was high on their list was the kokui frog which is a really small frog in Hawaii, it's actually native to Puerto Rico. They're also uh, prolific insectivores. And their thing is they also have no predators to keep them under populations of control. And they actually compared that normally in Puerto Rico, it's 22,000 of them per hectare. 
and in Hawaii it was 55,000. So a massive, massive increase from the native population of where they're from to a non-native population because there's no predators in check. And then also, I say, I have it that we're going to talk about feral cats. We're going to save them for another episode. But they are also a large issue in Hawaii, especially with bird populations. Other things, I do like plants, so we are going to talk about plants. We have the Asian sword ferns. Um, they are rhizosomal plants, which you don't know what a rhizosome is. It's a part of the root that's underneath that when they could be cut or hurt, they can actually spot another plant can grow from them from the rhizosomes. They are also very good at choking out other plants and choking out their root systems. So the sword fern grows in large swaths because they can actually just spread swiftly, take all the nutrients from the soil, from actual native plants, and choke them out. So now you have more swaths of these sword ferns. Similar to also like kudzu that we've had we had in the United States for a long time and we still do. Banana polka is a vine, climbs up shrubs and trees and chokes the host plant and kills it. And their seeds are spread by pigs and birds, which is why they're also a large issue besides that they can kill a native species of plant. They also can get spread very quickly. And then a personal favorite is because it's one of the holiday season, so Christmas berry. Could not say anything about that. Their berries are narcotic and are mostly toxic. So lots of birds and small mammals will eat them, and then that will actually poison them and then kill them. And the government of Hawaii, because controlling invasives, controlling non-native species is a expensive expenditure, expensive cost. They spend millions every single year trying to stop the spread of this particular tree around this bush around so that it does not cause more issues. And there's also tons of different tree species that grow up in dense stands. And with how their fruit drop, they can actually take over full forests. There are a plethora of conflicts that have been brought on by invasives, by these non-native species throughout Hawaii. So if you want to know anything that you can do to help. So one thing I always talk about with like, and it's kind of probably repeating myself a lot, is if you've ever been to like a national park, I don't know if they have them around you. I saw them a lot in Yellowstone and a lot of the different forests I would go into. They had little brushes and everything so that you'd have to like, you could, when you, before you walked in, you'd scrub the bottom of your shoe on the brush to get rid of all the seeds that could be there. And then you scrub that on the, your way out. So to help protect that you're not bringing in um, seeds from another area that aren't supposed to be there in there. So you don't have cause issues. I had to do that a lot when I worked in my sites because I used to work in, when I was in Washington State, I used to work in fields where we would be have these invasive species there. And so we had to actually make sure that we were, you know, cleaning around so we not, we're not spreading these all around the area that we're in. Making sure you're just like, for a lot of your mammals, just make sure you have things bagged up, your containers are closed for your food and stuff and not getting able to get into your trash cans. Don't take your pets where they're not supposed to go. So like in national parks and stuff like that, when they tell you not to take the things in there, there's a reason why they tell you not to bring your animals in there because a lot of those species may have never had that issue before and we don't want other issues to happen. It's more just being kind of being mindful. Because it's just, it's, it's, it's unforeseen yeah. things, right? Like it's, it's unintended consequences. That's the word, uh, you know, we talk about economics, you know, the unintended consequences of actions that we maybe didn't perceive or foresee, yep. sorry. And just being mindful of like what you have with you, where you're going, stuff like that, so that you're not spreading non-native things into areas where they're not supposed to be so that we now, that we have issues in other ways. 
And again, it's just, it, though those are, <clears throat> they're not even necessarily issues as unintended consequences, I think is an even better way to look at them. Because it's not something that we planned for, but, you know, it is, you know, a consequence that happens yeah. for sure. Think about like, well, with people when they, uh, releasing Burmese Python or releasing Jackson Chameleon or Goldfish into the environments that they've been put into, you don't think about what the the what could happen if you release them these are all unintended and now that we have large issue large conflicts that have occurred because of these releases a lot of the non-native plants for hawaii were brought in for as ornamentals ornamental gardening they look absolutely gorgeous but it's one of those that the unintended consequence was is now these plants were then had their seeds spread around and then were able to outcompete native plants that were had been there their entire time. You see that with uh, kudzu here in the United States, was that was a large issue. The banana polka is a gorgeous-looking uh, plant. It's got a gorgeous vine. It's got really beautiful pink flowers to it, and it would look great in a garden, but the unintended consequence of it was no one would have not thought that, oh, this could spread, and it did, and now it's causing conflict in the local ecosystem. But it's kind of just more the just... Yeah, it's just thinking about what could actually, some of the unintended consequences. I know when I garden and stuff, do stuff like that, I make sure everything that I get is native. I don't bring in a lot of, outs, uh, I don't bring in non-native plants into my area because I don't know what could happen. Well, I kind of do. There could be the very unintended consequences of what happens if by planting them. But that's more just kind of being thoughtful about what you could do to help. What you can do is not support illegal trade of animals. That is a very big thing. <laughs> but So yeah, with the pet trade, that is a big thing, is not supporting illegal trade. And just make sure your pet, your animals are actually, I don't know, say ethically, are actually allowed to, are legally done. I mean, there's a reason, there's a reason all of ours yeah. are rescues, so. Makes sense. You know, it's a big, it's a big thing in our household, actually, that, uh, you know, we uh, were very big about ethical consumption mm-hmm. here. I mean, the girls and I, as much as uh, Kevin says he is, and I don't know if that's true, but the girls and I are. Okay. That is all I had for this week. I know next week, next not next week, next time we are going to talk about feral cats. We're going to dive deep into Yay. that. It is going to be a very interesting episode. I don't want to say a controversial episode, but it's going to be a lot of the, it's going to be, it's going to be different. Just kind of looking at that, so, uh, what feral cats how they interact with the, with the, your ecosystems and stuff of like that. It's really interesting. It's something that I've listened to a lot of lectures on before, and it's going to be fun to talk about it with to all of y'all. But until then, there we go. Thank you all for your time. Thank you, Madison. Yeah. All right. Yep. It was fun. Bye.